Hey guys, welcome back to the Green Bag Voyage podcast. I'm your host Shrevin, and here with me is Joel. And hey I haven't been in a while, but I'm oh, back. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's Probably been, it's just been the two of us for how long? Two weeks. Two now? weeks. Yep. Yeah. But now I'm finally yeah, back so. from my hiatus. My case yes, was great. yes. Yeah, Krishna got canceled, so unfortunately we had to kick him off uh, for a bit. Not <laughs> true. I was in Colombia for. Uh, <laughs> for some meetings with hillary but okay yeah uh see it always it always comes back to the emails <laughs> that's all it is but yeah i guess uh let's get it started off right this week um let's you know let's go techie uh let's talk about apple's new ios update that's coming out this fall i'm actually uh-huh. your thoughts on it i'm actually pretty psyched for ios 15 so there's a lot of features in it that really struck out so one of the best features that i saw was kind of their facetime uh, to android shift where you can it's essentially zoom's business model right where in facetime you have a link you send it to other people and even on an android phone you can just join in the browser and that's beautiful because there is now it's a competition for zoom because now you can screen share on it you can watch movies on it you can listen to music on it facetime is insane now yeah, yeah, but how are they going to make it compatible with Android? Are they making their own app? No, 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 no. no it's no, browser-based. No, no. Oh, okay. That's kind of insane, then. Yep. You just send, like, the link to your other Android user, and they just click on it, and it, it goes oh, it to d- the... Oh, does it have to be Android? You can do it on Windows, then, if it's Yeah, browser. you can, you can. Yeah. Yep. It's oh. a cross-platform, oh. yeah. Wow. Only If only they could make Messenger cross-platform, that would be great. <laughs> no. <laughs> Their their whole philosophy is to keep a walled, you know, garden, so so to speak. You know, that exclusivity is what builds that Apple brand, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm pretty surprised they made it FaceTime this way. Maybe it's just to compete with Zoom, or, um, but I don't think it's going to be for other apps. No, I think a uh, a big reason that was like stopping a lot of people was kind of like. They were disappointed in Apple for not allowing FaceTime to be cross-platform. Whereas, like, Android's, you know, video chat, which is, like, I think Google, Google, what's that thing called? Google Meet. Yeah, Google Meets, that thing, right? So, Google Meets was cross-platform. I can get it on iPhone and call you, right? Same thing with Skype. So, I think just to fit into, like, the market, Apple made a cross-platform. Yeah. Yeah, I think another thing we have to talk about is the increased privacy, which they're stating. That actually, they um, added it in the latest patch of iOS 14, and uh, I think it's taking like a greater step in iOS 15. So they kind of limit it. So every app now is in its own sandbox environment, right? So essentially, when you're in an app, no other apps can really interfere with it unless you give a permission. That's one great improvement. The second improvement is that it asks you whether the app can track your pri- like data mm-hmm. or not. And that's amazing because if you just say no, then the app gets no information from other system processes. Yeah, and I think this uh, iOS update, they're going to show like um, what, like if you do do the option to allow advertisers to track, it will show like what they're looking into and how long they're looking into, which is, uh, I mean, Apple is doing the right step in uh, promoting privacy, right? So it's good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they don't need to be making money off ads. They're what a two over two trillion dollar company now. That is so, true. That is true. Yeah, they don't really need support from ads, if anything. And uh, two other features that iOS uh, 15 brought up that are monumental is 
they're using AI to actually re, re like kind of just redesign your notifications experience. So typically on your phone, when you your your notifications are organized in order, correct? Like whenever it like you get the notification, mm -hmm. that's the order it's in. So if I got a notification like five hours ago and I got a notification now, that five hour notification is buried because I'm going to see my most recent notification. That's not always convenient because sometimes I'm away from my phone. Whereas now with Apple's iOS 15, the notifications auto arrange themselves based on priority. So the first that's notifications you look at are basically the ones you want to look at based on artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, probably like it would look through, it'll track like what apps you're using the most. And yep. if that notification pops up, that'll be on the top, right? Yep. Yep. And you can also set your priorities. So you have a bit of flexibility I mean, they, there as well. They already have something kind of like that, right? Like the quiet notification versus the primary notification. Uh, that doesn't work uh, the same way. So that kind of just silences certain notifications and shows you only certain ones. But this one, even if you have all your notifications on, it auto filters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be cool to see. And uh, finally, um, the the best feature about it, right, is the the OCR which they brought to the camera app. So basically, if you take a picture of something with like text on it, right, like for example, if I wrote notes in my notebook, I can take a picture of that and I can start copying the text on my notebook into other apps. Like straight up, it copies in like whatever font no. you want and everything. It's straight just OCR where you take the picture and the text just flies into other apps. Is it like, I mean, you, what if you put like X squared, right? Would that also copy into it? Oh yeah. It oh yeah. It has, it has super scripting features as well. I don't know how they did it, but the, I've seen some demos of it and it's very, very well built. Like it's one of the best I mean, OCR that platforms. That technology has been out for a while. I know, but Apple has uh, improved as, it and made it native yeah. to their own camera app. That's something it's not as it was not as advanced as Apple's doing right now, mm -hmm. but in, in previous years, what you could do is write down notes while like you're recording a speaker mm -hmm. and the app itself will like you can like transcribe it and then play it again so that whenever the speaker is talking, you can see what notes were written down where so you can kind of understand why you wrote down those notes. Yeah. So that's what was there before. But yeah, what Apple's done is just taking it to another level yeah and i think the the apple adding it to the native like camera app is going to take out those those notebooks remember those notebooks that you can like, oh, yeah. write notes on and you scan it's called rocket like, book right yeah rocket book that one especially where it just takes it all to like evernote or like the cloud or whatever right apple's taking them all out of business because you can essentially import all your notes into notes which is basically the new evernote replacement so i i think evernote as a business is going to see some some tank in sales um you're gonna see a rocket book completely go out of business because who's gonna buy rocket book for 50 dollars when i can just do it in a lap on my iphone all right i think uh our tech geekiness has to come to an end <laughs> as this is a finance show unfortunate um i think the main uh, finance thing that's come out of this keynote is the sneaky defensive maneuver that apple tried to play uh, where it was talking about the App Store and it was saying stuff like, oh, it's paid over $230 billion to developers since opening in 2008. It's helped out developers so much over the years, providing them code and access to the App Store. And it's, it's kind of a shot against Epic Games. That's what's kind of going on there. Um, 
I don't know what side you guys are on in terms of the Apple or Epic Games battle. I think I, I think we had a conversation about it a while ago. Yeah, we did um, cover uh, when the I think when the judge closed when the case closed right after the yeah when statements. the final case closed. I think I'm on I'm on Apple's side. I don't know. I would say Apple's side too because think about it, right? Like when when you get ridiculous amount of in-app purchases on your app, right? You kind of owe the person who's allowing you to host that app. Because first off, in the United States, iPhone sales they have the market share, right? And um, you have games like Fortnite that are super popular and everyone's playing on their phone. And when they buy like V Bucks and stuff. I feel like Apple deserves some sort of royalty on it, obviously, because... See, I, I agree with that in a way. Uh, like, I understand what you're saying. I, I disagree with the notion that Apple shouldn't really be, you know, taking a 30% royalty out of it. I think it should be a bit less. Um, my notion for why Apple should win is just based on the fact that Epic Games kind of knew what they were doing when they circumvented the a whole app store payment process and i mean it's a risk they took and it's a risk they got caught with so i mean they they deserve to get punished in the way that however the courts decide to be right um, i mean essentially it's a breach of contract right when you put the app on the app store you got to pay that 30 percent cut and if you try to you know like you said circumvent it then you're going to pay the fines and that's what's going on right now right yep it's kind of just like a privilege to be on the App Store, the most wanted store in the in the country right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just I just don't think it should be thirty percent. Maybe if there's some way they could cut it down, uh, for smaller developers especially, that might help. But um, okay, but you need to understand yeah, it, that Apple sets the market price. Yeah, yeah, that no doubt about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to see a monopoly come of it just because Apple and Google are. You know, taking over the entire app store market so you know you want to see some competition in the space i, I guess yeah, so. that's that's kind of my thing of it I, I still think apple should win but at the same time maybe they should think more leniently on how they want to price well their royalty fees there's not a lot of developers or companies that are backing epic games on this right there are, a lot of people no. are kind of quiet about this so i guess they're okay with it uh it's just that epic games didn't go through the right you know proper proper legal channels to do this so that's why i mean also i don't think any other de smaller developer out there has the legal resources to fight apple on this yeah but it's also like the big developers that are not you know taking epic games side on this right you can't really take their side yep. right they did something yep. illegal so all right i think uh that's that's enough about apple for now uh we can move on to the next big tech thing bezos going to space this century uh not not only that i think we haven't really talked much about space tourism or private you know space companies so i mean we can start off with bezos if you want um what do you guys think about that him taking his maiden flight in july yeah but he's risking it all like... to go to space <laughs> <laughs> like like the dude has two billion two hundred billion dollars like does he really want to risk space right now i mean he survived a helicopter crash i think about 10 years ago so i think he's pretty invincible at this point that's not the same thing as space you know, like some astronauts train for their entire lives and still get rejected yeah 
I mean, look, he's rich enough, and he's doing it with his brother. So. Not not just his brother, right? There's also a third seat, and there's actually bidding going on for the third seat. I think it's like a few million dollars right now. Oh I think the bidding... Oh yeah, that's that's what they're saying, right? Like two point yeah. eight was the starting bid. Yeah, around that. Yeah, so it's some lucky some lucky millionaire is gonna get a ride with the Bezos, a couple of hours, and he can talk to him about anything, get all that advice. So who knows, you know. See, the thing is, like, with, with the rich billionaires, there's a concept called the Pareto distribution. So, basically, the Pareto distribution states that if you have wealth, it attracts more wealth. And the more wealth you have, the larger uh, the amount of wealth you bring in is, right? So, it, the curve is exponential. So, a trend you see with most billionaires is that once they kind of hit, like, the 50 billion, like, range, or even less, honestly, they don't need to hit that, they usually compete with like the next big thing so we have elon with spacex right which was the next big thing now bezos is kind of just starting blue origin as like a side investment piece essentially i mean he started way back actually blue origin was actually the first rocket or a company to land a rocket back on the the fuselage to you know land back and spacex did it after i understand that but he never like wanted to do like there was no interest in space tourism i'm saying like right now this is commercial flight to space it's it's essentially getting on like a boeing 787 and going to california that's the same concept here and that's a completely like new business model right and i think Mm -hmm. most billionaires are kind of like transcending into that space because it's a it's a venture that requires a lot of capital and not everyone can enter that Mm -hmm. interesting i didn't even know um blue origin was the first made in flight they were the first to land back a rocket okay yeah all right and um yeah i guess we can move on from there i think joel you can talk more about this since uh you've been bragging to us you made you made made quite the the amount of money off (laughs) spce i mean it's kind of insane like i remember what was it a couple podcasts ago we were talking about how SPACs were sort of dying, like no one was talking about them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they're on the rise again. Hey, it's a Chumut SPAC, oh. okay? Don't question my man Chumut. So That's true. The I mean, reason Clover's up there as well. The reason why they're getting a lot of attention now is because these SPACs were shorted heavily. And with the recent you know, rise in AMC, right, with the short squeeze, uh, a lot of buzz going around with SPACs right now because they also have really high short interest. And that's what you saw with Clover today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think many of the social capital, uh, SPACs are getting a lot of inflow right now. And overall the SPAC sentiment has definitely gone very bullish right now because of the whole short squeeze, you know, but specifically with Virgin Galactic, they had, what's the deal with them? There was some news about them. It was just Bezos announced that he was going on his flight and that and Virgin Galactic started, you know, shooting up. Um, yeah, but before then, like Virgin Galactic, uh, they said they're planning to launch sometime early, late this year or early next year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like they moved up the timeline. Um, and yeah, who knows? Maybe they can finally start bringing in some revenue. I've been seeing this trend, right, with Virgin Galactic. So I'll be honest, I have no clue what advancements they've been doing in the space regime, right? But every time something about space comes up, right the market automatically just starts hyper buying virgin galactic and it shoots up like i, I don't get why but like whenever you see space in the slightest it's it, just virgin galactic pops it's, 
it's probably because like it's the only like public company that it's uh, that's popular enough, and it's also related to space, right? Space or not space, but uh, I, I would say like atmospheric travel, um, and it's very hyped up stock. So if anything that's related to atmospheric travel or space comes up, then everyone's gonna think about Virgin Galactic first, right? So mm-hmm. that's probably why a lot of retail investors go to that stock first. Oh, that and and the other thing I've noticed. And the other thing I've noticed with SpaceX is that every time their stock rises above a certain level, you'll see them issue new shares. Are they trying uh, to like keep the, it at a certain range or something? With, no, with no, the they just Galactic? want as much capital. Yeah, they just want as much capital as possible. If you look at their past like uh, share issuances, it's mm-hmm. every time the stock pops and then it's starting to like decline a bit, they'll issue more shares. Yeah, I mean. It's classic example, right? I mean, like Neo, for example, uh, when they were they when their stock you know shot up, I, they issued like over seven or eight billion dollars worth of stock. So I mean, I think this is probably. I mean, it's, like, it's a smart move, but at yeah. the same time, it's like that's the only cash that they're bringing in for Virgin Galactic, <laughs> at least. Yeah, I mean, so, they're not commercial yet, right? They're still testing. Uh, no. Yeah, so it's not like they're sending people up right now. Okay, and then I, I think the last one we need to talk about, I know we mentioned SpaceX before, but um, specifically, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the new rocket cargo program that is... Um, what is that? It, it's a new U.S. military program that aims to basically send you know materials to space as fast as possible so it can get to you know the battlefield. So it, oh. it's a faster way of transportation. And what the U.S. military right now is looking for, uh, you know, someone to basically do this. And right now, SpaceX is looking like the main target for them wait, to wait, have wait. this contract. Let, let me understand this. So the U.S. military wants to send arms into space. Is that what rocket cargo um, is? I mean, they want to yeah, send yeah. arms. Yeah, as you fast could, as you could say it like that. That's, that's exactly what it is. What? Why do you want to weaponize space? They don't want to weaponize space. They just want to transport things faster for now. Ah, uh, that, that, that's what they always say. That's what they said about <laughs> Yemen too. what happened. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, is, is, are we surprised that they want to do this? It's... <laughs> no. No? Not in the slightest. I'm surprised it took them this long. But Joel, this is the reason why I don't work for the government. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't work in that sector, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, well... I mean, sooner or later, we're going to have... Space is going to be a war zone, let's be honest, a few decades from now, so... I hope not, man. I don't want to be asteroids. Uh, I don't want to be, like, shot by an asteroid, like... Like, I can see that happening in the couple, next couple Yo, of years. real-life real life Star Wars. Yeah. Coming soon. Literally, you see, like, a stormtrooper in, 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 like, flying down. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. We'll just... <laughs> You just see, you just see the beams, laser beams in the sky. Yeah, you just see a Death Star like... instead of the moon. <laughs> we're, we're laughing about this, but one one day there's going to be, oh, like the International Space Station, there's going to be some station where it's completely weaponized with uh, guns and everything, and you know, someone, Russia, China, someone has to clip US this. Have this. <laughs> Dude, that's that's way too far down the line. Like, I don't think even my grandkids would see that. 
I mean, uh, I don't know, man. With the way technology is going, sometimes we think it's pretty bad, but... But you also need to some... take into account, like, modern scientists have predicted that Moore's Law, which is essentially the technological progression law, right? That's what predicts how fast mm-hmm. technology predi- uh, pros- like progresses. They, Moore's Law, from the beginning, was always a logistic growth curve. So eventually, it's going to hit a ceiling, and it caps there, right? And we're approaching that ceiling right now. Like... Companies like Intel and AMD are not able to innovate at the same level they were able to like 20 years ago. It's flattened out. Whereas if you look five years back, Intel's like rate of um, expansion kind of, right? Like progression in, in their technology was massive. Now it's like flattening out. It's That's going to apply th- throughout like every single sector. So so it's Moore's Law kind of just like flattening. I don't, I don't think technological progression is going to be at the same rate. Has it started to fly? Yeah, like have you yeah, seen? Yeah, it has. Especially in the technological okay. sector, it's flattening like crazy. Like, think about it, right? Like, Apple, Apple, sure, they added like three new features in iOS 15, but is that the same level of innovation as from iOS 4 to like iOS 5? Yeah, but Apple's kind of different. You can't really take them into account. I, I can understand where you're going about Intel and AMD. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Apple, Apple's kind of different. It, like Steve Jobs was the innovator. Tim Cook is the businessman. He knew, he knew how where he needed to take Apple, and he's taken them to new heights. I mean, that's a, that's a very you know neat like it's a very generalizing uh, notion actually, right? Because Apple is rolling out products like they brought in Air, AirTags and a few other things. Yeah, right? but AirPods, it's not like Air, it's not like new innovative products like the iPhone was or the iPod or the mac like those were insane like, like these are not innovations out. that shock you like an innovation that would yeah. shock you is like Neuralink, right that's shocking technology where um, like airpods yeah. for example like bluetooth headphones were there before it was just never as good as apple's once it came out but it was still there you know samsung came out with you know great cameras before apple did and some of the features that apple has supposedly taking some of their ideas from so i mean it's, it's not as we're, we're as definitely it innovating before. i mean if you look at android phones right we had uh fingerprint scanners that were you know a, a tangible thing right where you would you know put it on your home button or something but now everything's on a display right we would never have thought that a display like an led display would have a fingerprint scanner uh that would just yeah, yeah so innovation is happening no, I'm not denying that innovation's not happening. I'm saying the innovation's not happening at the same rate it used to. Because eventually, every single growth curve hits a certain ceiling. So Have they figured out what that ceiling is? Um, I don't think so. There's So there's actually some math behind this. There's like a technological index that they use to reference the level technology is moving. And the last time I kind of touched upon that they were talking about how it's slowly reducing at like a the speed of technological advancement is reducing at like a steady rate and i believe they touched up on in my cs class as well i don't have all the information so we're gonna have to wait for the next podcast for that okay yeah i guess i guess that that makes some sort of sense why intel's been sort of lacking in the space and why amd has sort of taken over mm-hmm. and you also need to take into account resources right because all most of most of these these innovations require some sort of like minerals silicone uh um you know lithium all, all sorts of minerals right to power them and eventually these minerals they're not infinite they're gonna run out 
and we're expending them at like a rate we've never seen before. That's why you have GM with the chip shortages. You have Tesla scattering for funds. So I don't know where it's going to, where technology is going to be in the future, but I'm just saying like, like, unless we mine from like space, we're, 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 we're in a crisis. What do you think is going to be the next revolution? Cause we had what the transportation revolution, industrial revolution, revolutions itself of you know governments and all and then the technological revolution i mean i I guess that kind of goes back to our our main second main topic for today space right so if we can capitalize on mining space instead of militarizing space you know actually getting minerals from space right like if we go to the moon and mine it or if we go to like mars and mine it we could find all sorts of minerals with like different applications right that could that could be a solution probably the next revolution would be um a green revolution something like that where we try to save the earth from global warming right instead of trying to leave it go to mars or something no, no i'm not saying leaving i'm saying mine resources from there and import back to earth well what are you going to mine resources that we could need like for example lithium is not infinite and lithium is one of the main reasons why we are we're in a battery shortage so if we can mine lithium from like the moon or mars i don't know i'm just giving hypothetical situations yeah i mean th- there are insane amount of metals yeah in, in some planets same thing right, with silicon right it's it, it's gonna like Im- imagine you bring you know tri- like thousands of tons of this particular uh you know mineral or metal back to earth what's gonna happen to the prices of that supply right supply is gonna exponentially increase in mm-hmm. a short period of time i mean that that that's good cheaper technology i'm not complaining more supply for any product is really not an issue for, for the consumer like ever right so that means like that corporation that's going to develop the rocket develop the mining capability to go to moon they're going to have a, a payday whereas the corporations on earth who are trying to mine uh minerals here will just go out of business immediately because their their manufacturing power won't be able to compete with the cheap minerals that are coming back and also i mean it could not it probably isn't that cheap too i mean to go to take a rocket into space all the logistics to go to a particular asteroid or the moon bring it back is is a very very tough process and it also is very expensive so uh, i mean it, it is, is an expensive that's, process. that's why so. it's a revolution that's kind of like yeah, the so opportunity cost make yeah. right so that's where guys like elon musk comes in where he's trying to make space travel you know cheaper so mm-hmm. uh that's probably yeah space revolution will definitely happen i mean once we go to Mars, we start colonizing it and setting up territories, right? Other countries will start setting up territories, and that's probably, you know, interplanetary revolution, as you would call it, I guess. I mean, the main thing we need is water, because uh, I think we can make artificial food on its own. We just need, like, you know, some sort of soil or starting point for it. But, yeah, we just need water. If we can find water on some planet, then it's just a matter of how do we get there. It'd be kind of funny if Bezos went to like the moon and came back with like Martians, like, like Buddy just popped in some aliens and just pulled them back to Earth. Like, I, I'm just waiting for something to happen. I just wanted some sort of evidence that there's life outside of Earth. You know, the past few months, the the amount of alien buzz has been going on has just increased so much. I mean, it's that's like, true because space is also in the news all the time. So people are gonna get, you know, in their in their fantasy land about it but I'm, I'm just hoping that it actually happens like if they discover life 
like mm-hmm. like we're no longer just uh you know how there's national and then there's international we're gonna have interplanetary and that's gonna be kind of cool yeah, let's just hope they're not hostile yeah yeah wasn't there like um a u.s navy report where like some pilot was talking about how he saw some ufo yeah there's multiple actually. and yeah there was multiple occasions of it um didn't know really what to think of that but it, it's interesting there there's this recent one where on a navy ship uh they were looking at a radar right and the the craft that they were um monitoring dropped like a few thousand feet a uh, few tens of thousands of feet within seconds and just went straight into the water right this is an actual like craft that they're monitoring and this was one of the recent like uh, reports that were like leaked uh and a cool thing right now i think is the, i think dod is gonna file like an they're gonna like declassify a bunch of files in a few weeks i think so we'll have access to what they've been going through and everything wow are they declassifying because the you know the term limits run out or i think there's because a, they want to a lot of public pressure i think as, that's that also yeah but that hasn't stopped the cia so why would that stop them as well there there's just a lot of uh, re- leaks right i mean the past few months right so might as well uh put everything out right and I, and if they're willing to put everything out then that automatically tells you that there's really nothing major or significant to be found if the dod is going to declassify everything it's maybe prob- or maybe prob- they might black out we, everything we kind of are digressing we we started from the <laughs> economics of space and somehow ended up in our own star wars universe so i think i think it's time to get back home and you know talk about work at home versus working in an office what do you guys think how what do you think is the future of corporate america and do you guys think that there will ever be uh, a time when we actually go back to work or is it all going to be work from home i mean the the interesting thing about this and the reason i wanted to talk about it was you know a lot of the tech companies are now having employees kind of refute the notion of working at the office um one possibly because they're not even close to the city anymore Mm -hmm. they've kind of moved away and two because what type of tech person wants to go into work when they can just open their laptop and start programming at home? That is also true. Uh, speaking from personal experience, no Fidelity employee actually really needs to go into work unless they're like doing some hands-on hardware things or some sort of server management, right? Like most of them can literally sit at their laptops and do their work. Like I have access to all the repositories and I can just push and commit my code anytime I want which is great and I've seen a lot of other companies like Oracle, IBM, Amazon are also shifting to this this work from home landscape which is working out very well for software developers because they save a lot of money on gas as well. The company saves money on travel. It's a win-win for and almost office everyone space. and office, office space, rent. right? So I honestly see certain technological companies kind of shifting to that that works it will it, it won't be like a fully remote i think that companies will slowly come back to maybe like a hybrid situation where yeah, uh, yeah. people will come in for like two days of the week mm-hmm. just to have that social aspect because how long are you going to be on your computer no no, no. yeah i get that yeah, two, yeah you can't just be on a monitor your entire life so they'll probably do like two or three days where you come into the building uh and you have you go into the conference uh meeting and you know talk to people maybe have a lunch and that's, I think like Salesforce is doing that and a few other companies are doing that. 
so that's the, hi- probably the hybrid workspace is also like the pretty much the same thing it's like it's saving both sides a lot of money and i think right. it's honestly where the the corporate america should be and move to you know funny thing is like i think so i heard from an aws employee that amazon's forcing all employees to come back to their buildings there's not going to be a uh, remote work uh anymore like 90 percent of employees aws employees will have to come back to their respective buildings i mean for well, aws it's cause... a bit different because they have to work on the server side yeah. as well it's not only yeah but software i mean it's stuff. i mean most of the employees are working on like new uh products to be put on the server it's not like they're actually with the servers right servers are on some other location uh they're just coding new products right they're everyone's not they're not at some uh, aws server that's uh that's in some data center somewhere but the buildings are they're forcing their like software engineers to come back which is surprising yes the thing that, that is interesting. I, I guess it's like different in divisions of amazon because i i have a a family friend who works for the alexa division and they're kind of switching to a, a lot more remote uh environment where almost everything Alexa related is done on, from their computers, and it's kind of, they're kind of moving to the hybrid scape as well. So I guess interdepart uh, like it's it's not like a company wide thing. I think it's like based on departments too. But yeah, I, I well, definitely want to see be. a lot more hybrid workspaces in the future. Yeah, I mean I enjoy going to the office to be honest. I'm <laughs> if I'm at home, I probably won't be as productive. So. <laughs> yeah it's the same for me um i mean also i'm i'm in the finance and business side so you would have to go in all the time you, yeah i would have to go in no matter what because we need that social aspect that is half of our business don't end up like jordan belford oh yes <laughs> that would be the man who makes money all the legal ways oh yeah Sharon, you, you better give us some uh, financial documents i know carrier's <laughs> a public company so yeah and then i'd get fired within within three minutes of sending those it's okay it's out. okay it's you take one for the team i make the money and i split it with them. Easy, <laughs> easy it's all for a cause yeah we'll just uh, buy a bunch of weeklies if there's good news coming around yeah and see remember yeah, if we definitely. get rich enough the sec will not touch us because let's let's it, 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 it's a slogan at this point the sec only tweaks when a regular commoner you know does something wrong some big organization does something like BlackRock. The SEC is like, oh, something happened. Sorry, I was in, I was in the Bahamas. So, so if we make enough money, the SEC won't touch us. And I think that's a great note to leave it on. Um, so, thank you guys for listening in to this week's podcast. We hope you had a great time listening to our, our rants about tech, Apple. What else did we talk about? Space revolution. And the yeah, SEC. We totally, yeah, we were... Wow. It's a, it's a weird week this week. But hey, that's that's how life goes, I guess. But yeah, thanks again for watching. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or YouTube, whichever platform you're on. Uh, get your vaccines out there. We're almost, we're almost there. I know some colleges, like Virginia Tech now, are requiring students to show their vaccination cards. It's an interesting move theirs. But other than that... We will see you guys next time.